When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon on the show today. We will get into some Big 12 basketball, some more action happening last night, including Oklahoma State, who Texas will face this weekend. Talk a little bracketology and bubble watch after Texas win over Texas Tech. Where do they stand? What do they need to do uh, to continue on their quest to uh, make the tournament and then see where we go from there. I said that's our quest right now. Uh, women's basketball, disappointing. Uh, heartbreaking loss last night to Oklahoma. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, some NBA talk as well. To Patrick's big fat poll today. Some NFL talk. The Combine's going. Watching Tavondre sweating. Byron Murphy running around the field making Texas proud. Uh, well, Jalen Ford should be doing some stuff here shortly as well. He's been measured in. We'll talk a little bit about that and get into a little bit about the running back world. Uh, some interesting conversations around the Cowboys and Tony Pollard. So we'll get into a little bit of that as well. And of course, your text messages, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, we, you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. So whatever you guys want to talk about, we will get to, and we will talk about on the show today. Uh, you know, I know, I know we don't have to yell about Rodney Terry, but if you, if you so desire, we didn't, we didn't get into it yesterday. I know, I know my guys that were on there. We have some guys we disagree that everybody was on the same page yesterday, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, but we will get into that. If anything, you want to talk Texas basketball, Texas football, you want to talk, uh, 
Texas baseball, Texas women's basketball. You want to talk some NFL, the combine happening right now. You want to talk some NBA. We're down for it here talking on the sports complex. Uh, also, uh, you know, we'll get into Patrick's big fat poll. I think it's a fun one today. I think it's a good fun poll today. Uh, if you did not hear the news, we'll stay it here. We'll hit it to five o'clock. Just let everybody know. Uh, if you did not hear the news today, something I'm excited about, but it does mean change, uh, that, uh, our man, Aaron Hogan is going to be leaving the station. Uh, today was his last day. He is moving on. Uh, that does mean there's going to be some shuffling happening. Uh, and, uh, what we talked about and we had everybody in meetings and, uh, what we ended up with is, uh, I'll be moving down to mornings and doing uh, the broadcast with uh, myself and Rob Babers, uh, 6 to 10. Now, uh, weekday mornings, we'll have the best of from six uh, from 10 to 11, uh, still keeping you till 11 o'clock then, Jim Rome, Rich Eisen. Uh, but the Sports Complex last show will be tomorrow, as I am not going to be able to do 12-hour days as much as, uh, you know, I think young me, 20-year-old me, when you're like, oh, no, you'll be able to do this. I, no problem. I'll be on the radio all day. Uh, that is not the same case anymore. So uh, we'll be moving that on. Now, that's not to say the afternoon uh, slot will be empty forever. That is definitely not the goal. We, you know, we always want to bring you as much as we can here uh, at the Horn. And so there's, there's conversations happening and, and you know stuff happening behind the scenes uh, to see what will happen next. But as of fr- tomorrow, Friday will be the last sports complex in the afternoon. Uh, I'll be going in the mornings. I hope you guys join me in the morning. I know some, a lot of you already listen in the morning. Uh, me and Rod have worked together several times. We worked together at a previous place. We worked together here doing, uh, you know, I joined him when he was still doing uh, him and KD in the afternoons. Uh, then we did the Ball Don't Lie, which was a, which is really, really fun to do. Uh, so I'm super looking forward to it. It's going to be so much fun to do. Uh, not thrilled about 4 a.m. wake-up calls, but, you know, this this point in life, I'm not partying every night of the week anymore. It is uh it's a little different. Uh twenty years ago, four AM was bedtime. And that's that's a reality. Cause I was tour I was working with bands and playing in clubs and you were loading out at two thirty to three and then get back to the hotel room for like four AM was around the time you were going to bed. So it's a it's a bit of a change, but uh, you know, I I'm hoping everybody joins us. Uh we'll have a lot of fun and bring some of the stuff we've been doing here. On in the mornings to go with Rod. Anytime you get to work with Rod, he's one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, always enjoy working with him, uh, hanging out with him. He's just a really – he's a good dude. And, man, there, I don't know if there's anybody who covers football better than Rod Babers, and I don't know I – de- I know that there's no one who covers Texas football better than Rod Babers. So uh, looking forward to that, but that does mean the end of the sports complex. Uh, to pin ultimate show, I believe I'm using that correctly, will be today. Tomorrow will be uh, the final show of the sports complex, but I hope you guys jump in on the text line and we have fun these last couple of days that we're doing it. Uh, I did want to make sure we did another one tomorrow too, to hang out with you guys. Uh, so we, it'll be fun. You guys have been a ton of fun to hang out with. I've enjoyed the last seven months of doing the show with you guys on the text line. Cause you guys are the second host of the show with me. Uh, so we have been a lot of fun, but we'll, we'll keep it going. We'll keep rolling along uh, for today and tomorrow. Hope you guys uh, stick with me and uh, stick with me going in the mornings. Because it'll be a lot of fun. I know a lot of you guys are already listening to the morning show, so we'll just keep it rolling, you know, and we'll keep uh, the horn will keep chugging right along, uh, bringing you the best in uh, Longhorn and, and sports coverage uh, in Austin, Texas. I and I still believe that. I still believe that. All right, let's talk some NCAA basketball. Uh, so there's some action happened yesterday. Big Twelve. We're trying to keep up with it, and I've I've got the the combine going right now. We've already seen Tavondre Sweat. We've already seen 
Byron Murphy, Jalen Ford should be coming up in a little bit. If I see Jalen Ford at the corner of my eye, they'll give you updates as they're happening. But we'll get into more of that in the 5 o'clock because I think that's when we get closer to the linebackers coming out. We're still on D-line right now. Uh, basketball last night, a couple games happened. One that was uh, an interesting outcome. I uh, thought it would have been closer. Iowa State, number eight Iowa State, handles their business against uh, Oklahoma, 58-45. to 45. It was at Iowa State. Those road games have been tough, especially for Oklahoma. Had some trouble trouble this year uh, getting those wins on the road. Uh, their offense, 45 points in a game this late in the season. You just don't want to see your offense really struggle that much. And the reality was Iowa State's offense struggled a ton, too. Those 58 points were hard to get. OU ends up with uh, 14 turnovers. They only hit 15 shots in the game. Uh, Iowa State hits 21 shots, uh, but they shoot uh, 17 more shots in the game than uh, Oklahoma does. Between the rebounding, the turnovers, uh, Iowa State's able to get the advantage there. But the big part for, uh, for, for Oklahoma, or sorry, for Iowa State, is Damarion Watson has a huge game. He goes seven for seven in the game. The only guy who shoots really high level, the starting five, this is how big the difference is. Demarion Watson coming off the bench goes seven for seven. The starting five for Iowa State went seven for 38 for field goals in the game. Uh, so without Demarion Watson coming off the bench and, and really putting up really good numbers for Iowa State, it may have been a different game, but that was not a pretty game for either team's fan base to watch, but Iowa State gets the win, uh, pushes Oklahoma back to where they're tied with Texas now in the standings. Uh, we'll get into why that's important here in a little bit, uh, but it does push Oklahoma back again and pushes Texas closer to another, when we talk about that bracketology, and we'll get into this in a minute because I want to talk a little bit about that with you. All these games matter, everything in the Big 12, because when you start ranking out who's in the Big 12 and who's getting in, it matters a little bit uh, what these records are going to be at the end of the Big 12 season. We also saw UCF pull what a, kind of an upset over Oklahoma State, who's going to be Texas' opponent on Saturday. Oklahoma State has been playing a lot better. Uh, they had been you know, improved. They've been scoring a lot more points. They only put 71 up. Uh, they lose to UCF 77-71, to and it's at home at Oklahoma State. Uh, not a great game for Oklahoma State. Uh, John Michael Wright was led the way for Oklahoma State with 22 points. Uh, we did see Brandon Garrison, who's one of their uh, talented young freshmen, 6'11 freshman. Uh, he gets three blocks in the game, but does foul out. The big problem for Oklahoma State is they just did not have the toughness in this game. We're getting fouls instead of playing tough. They get out-rebounded 40-27. to And what we see in this game is what Texas has to do, which is if they're the more disciplined team in this, they know how to come out and play, not get in foul trouble, know to take the belt to the paint on Oklahoma State. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. But this is a very, very young Oklahoma State team that if you take it for granted you're going to get a win, they can definitely come and get you. Uh, UCF needs everyone they can get at this point in the season to have any shot. They may be even trying to get NIT at this point. Uh, so for them, they came in there, did not have any issues taking care of their really young Oklahoma State. But an interesting point uh, that, you know, you saw a lot of fouls, a lot of free throws in that game. Oklahoma State was slowed down, though, to 71 points. You think if you're Texas, you'd like to put them a little bit lower than that, but around 70 is where you're probably going to be trying to keep Oklahoma State and then be able to put some points up on them. Uh, I know Texas offense hasn't looked great recently, but that's kind of the mold to beat Oklahoma State because their offense, they, they've been a little bit more electric with these young guys, but the defense is not there and the discipline is not there, so you can get some turnovers and some rebounds against this Oklahoma State team. 
But let's talk a little bracketology, a little bubble watch. I've uh, looked at the most recent bracketologies from your top guys. Jerry Palm has them as a 10 seed. Lenardi had them at a 10 seed uh, before the Texas Tech game. So he may have them actually move up to a 9 seed or an 8 seed even. But I imagine a 9 or a 10 seed. That's around where they're sitting. Uh, but when we talk about that, uh, that OU loss, why it's important is it pushes Texas up now to the number 8 seed in the, the Big 12. You'd really like to move into at least the seven seed, the six seed, but you really like to move out of that eight nine spot and not the low end. You want to win the games and move up. They're a game out of fifth place, really, so they're not that far from uh, being able to move up in those poll and move up in the standings. You do have to go two out of three in your last three. We've talked about this plenty of times. You do have an Oklahoma State game and an Oklahoma game at home. Both those are very winnable games. You have to win both of those. Because if you win both of those, you finish 500 in the Big 12 season. That's going to be where a lot of teams finish, and a lot of teams will finish below that. It's going to put you, depending on your head-to-heads and all the tiebreakers that come out in this, that won't be a terrible place to be 500 in the Big 12. The reason I say you don't necessarily want to be that 8-9 seed, uh, because the 8-9 seed, the winner of that game will then go on to play the number one seed, which is playing, which looking to be Houston, who looks really good right now. And I think if you're Texas, you prefer to not play them. Even in Iowa State, who's a good team, uh, if you play them, or a Kansas, who's a really good team, any of those teams you'd rather face in the Big 12 tournament where I think you have a better shot than going up against Houston once again. Uh, because if you're talking about, you know, you've got to get that win in the first place. We get that. That game one, you got to get that win. To have any shot in that second game, Houston is kind of a buzzsaw right now as well as they're playing that that just doesn't feel like a game that you necessarily want to take before you go into the tournament. Uh, There's some other teams that could be better matchups for this Texas team. So uh, you don't want to get there. Uh, But, you know, this is where if you win these last two home games, you will finish at 500. You got the one at Texas Tech. You got the one road win we talked about you need at last four. You got the one. It's the easiest one. Uh, you have a shot against a Baylor team. Baylor's going to take a, a, a – they have a really hard matchup against Kansas on Saturday. It's a Monday game, so they're going to be coming off of a really big matchup. Now, you can't look ahead and lose to Oklahoma State, but if you handle your business against Oklahoma State like you should, uh, then you get a little break in between. You get that day on Sunday, and then on Monday you go against a Baylor team. You're going to be in uh, in Waco, so it'll be a difficult game for uh, – for Texas to try and get the win, uh, but th- it's possible. This is not a invulnerable Baylor team this season, so uh, it looks to be an interesting matchup for Texas, uh, where they could see. And if you beat Baylor, if you win your last four games, you beat Texas Tech, then you go on the road and you can put a win streak of four together. Then that Big Twelve tournament doesn't matter as much. Now you will also move up in the polls and might be able to get up in that five spot. I don't think you're going to be able to get to four. Uh, you need Baylor to really. Take a shot. Now, technically, if you beat Baylor and Kansas beat Baylor, uh, you would also have two wins over Baylor and get the tiebreaker. There's a chance you can move up into that four spot. Uh, but I, I'm, that's a little bit more wishful thinking, I think. Uh, but, you, you know, you could be playing for that on Saturday. So there's a lot you're going to be watching for in the seeding. But I just know that 8-9 seed game is one that you'd kind of prefer to stay out of if you're Texas. Uh, but, again, you got to handle your business first before we get there. You know, I I can talk about this because I'm not going to be playing on Saturday because I'm not going to be playing on Monday and I'm not going to be playing on the following Saturday. So I can talk about it because I I won't be there. But for Texas players, they know they cannot look past Oklahoma State. I know they lost to UCF at home. That means they're going to be pissed off. They're going to want to come into Texas. You know, again, this is 
a game, a hundred, a perfect example of a game for Oklahoma State where Texas doesn't feel like it's a rivalry game, like it doesn't feel like it's going to be a big matchup. But in all reality, this is going to be a big, big matchup for Oklahoma State where they feel they may be able to get in, you know, some good work going into next season. A lot of freshmen on this team and the sophomores and and young people that are going to be trying to build something going forward. And a win over Texas the last time they're going to be visiting Texas for a long time, uh, I, I think would be very big for them. So this is for them a huge game. For Texas, it's big too. It just may not feel like it because you're supposed to be winning. Uh, so they got to take care of business. But those looking at those numbers, you know, that game at Baylor on Monday is going to be a big one as well. If you can get a win there, all of a sudden it shifts that you may be able to get one or two wins in the Big 12 tournament or at least get that win in the first round, get buys into a Friday game uh, and make yourself a little bit easier, maybe playing a, an easier opponent, get a better seating, and, and you have a shot to to do something where you win a game or two in the Big 12 tournament and all of a sudden you're locked in, you're feeling good going into the tournament. Uh, and again, we're all just hoping Max Aismas gets his shot back because if that happens, uh, you know, look out. This team's playing a lot better now. If IT Horton and, and if all of a sudden they figure out a neutral court's how to shoot, then then it, it's trouble. But I know that's, that's very wishful thinking, so we won't go into that. Uh, some negative stuff that did happen. Uh, Texas drops a game to Oklahoma uh, last night, women's basketball, 71-70. to 70. Uh, It does pretty much lock up the conference, uh, regular season conference championship for Oklahoma. Gives Texas a little bit more uh, venom and steam as they want to win the uh, conference tournament now as they go in. I've also heard uh, people are projecting them to drop to a two seed now. They were the number three team in the country. Uh, they were a number one seed in the women's tournament. They may drop down to a two seed now. Uh, would you prefer them to stay in that one seed spot? That would be great for them. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to get back into it. Maybe if they win the conference tournament, that could get them a path back to it. Uh, but basically, in the game, Texas gets a score. There's a, a controversial traveling call, and it leaves for Oklahoma to get a shot. They miss it. Ball careens back out. Lexi Keys hits a three. She'd missed two big threes earlier in the fourth quarter. Uh, hits a big one there with four seconds left to put them up 71 to 70, and they hold on to get the win. Madison Booker has a good game for Texas again 26 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Uh, but the reality was they held OU, OU to 35% shooting. They went out there and did a good job. They did allow too many threes. They allowed 10 threes, but it was about 33% shooting. So it wasn't a great shooting performance, but they did allow a few too many threes. But I'll tell you this this is what Vic Schaefer is going to be hounding on this team about as they go in uh, to the Big 12 tournament. They were out-rebounded 30-47 in that game, and that's just not something that's going to sit well uh, with Vic Schaefer, especially when you had a size advantage against them, and they were able to body you out and get those rebounds. 21 offensive rebounds for Oklahoma, and it helps their shooting threes. They knew which angles to take, but, man, that is a – that's that's a hard pill to swallow if you're Vic Schaefer in this women's basketball team to be uh, 21 offensive rebounds for Oklahoma, giving them those second-chance points that it should not have been as close as it was. Uh, they got their final game of the season this Saturday, 7 p.m. at the Mood. It is 10K for 10K tickets. I've not looked today. I don't know if there's still tickets. I'm hoping uh, – hopefully there's not. Uh, but if you've not uh, gotten a chance to buy tickets yet – uh, $9, $15. That's how much the tickets are. Uh, very cheap, if, especially if you want to take the family out. Go check out the Moody Center. Have a fun time. Watch this women's basketball team. They've been playing really well, fought all season long. It's senior night for them as well. Going to be a really fun time at the Moody Center. But if they get 10,000 people out at the game, 10,000 tickets, 10,000 people at the game, pack it out. Have a great crowd at the Moody Center. 
Vic Schaefer will donate $10,000 to the Neighborhood Longhorns Foundation. There's going to be some other companies that will match that. So can raise some money, help support this women's basketball team that has been playing really well all season. If you don't really watch them all season, that's fine. Go check them out. They play BYU this weekend. A great Saturday night activity for not too much money. Uh, you know, tickets now are very expensive for everything. Nine and dollars and fit for the general mission, fifteen for reserved. Uh, can't go wrong there. Uh, for ten K for ten K in the women's basketball team. Uh, we'll hit NBA a little bit. We'll get the big fat poll. We'll get to the break. We'll get back to the tech sign. Get to some tech sign questions as well. Uh, we can want to go play you some uh, sound from Rod's rant today, talking about that NFL Players Association poll. I thought he had some good takes on that. We'll get to that as well. Uh, as we keep rolling along here, but I do want to talk a little NBA. Uh, the Mavericks do get back on the winning edge last night, 136-125 to against the Raptors. Luka Doncic, uh, again, has another triple-double, just a really good game, 30 points, 11 rebounds, 16 assists. Kyrie Irving puts up another 29 points, uh, but what you really like to see in this game is that P.J. Washington, we know he had that thought game winner against the Cavaliers, hits the shot with like two seconds left, uh, hits a little layup on a pass, from uh, from Luka Doncic gets the game what he thinks is the game winner. Max Struess, of course, beats it with the fifty nine footer. However, he does come out this game plays well again. Twenty three points, six rebounds. He hits five threes in the game. PJ Washington, if he starts to play better, starts to feel more comfortable in this in this offense. You know, we know Kyrie Irving had been talking to him and working with him. Kyrie had said once he figures it out, once he feels comfortable, he's going to be a beast. They also have 10 blocks in this game for the Mavs, which is not a team that blocks a lot of shots, doesn't play great rim-protecting defense. They're able to do that. They don't get killed in points in the paint. They allowed some, but they were putting up their own, and you know they don't get killed in rebounds. So the addition of P.J. Washington, Daniel Gafford, Derek Lively coming back from injury all seem to be going pretty well for them. Uh, we know that Derek Lively is still kind of dealing with some injuries and that nose injury and the mask and everything. Uh, but there's a team that it looks right now like those trade deadline deals have, are working well enough. I don't know if they're quite in that range where you're going to put them in that top four teams uh, in the West right now, but they're definitely playing well enough that you don't want to meet them in a, tw- a seven-game series, especially if P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford and Derek Lively and those guys that are doing well in addition to the team this season start playing well. Uh, we also will see tonight the Rockets and Spurs in action tonight. Uh, the Rockets, uh, Jalen Green is a game-time decision. A lot of guys for the Suns, a game-time decision. Nurkic, uh, Gordon, and Bradley Beal, all game-time decisions. If those guys are out, a uh, chance for the Rockets to go steal one in Phoenix, but are going to have to play better defense. I, you know, I'm seeing a lot more stuff, and we saw that you know, Shaq said Alperin Shingoon, and he's all for him, and there's a lot of guys. Alperin Shingoon is playing really good offense right now. But that defense, they're going to have to figure some things out because they have a lot of guys who don't want to play a lot of defense. I know Ima Odoka is not going to let, you know, last that for long. They did get Steven Adams uh, to come in, and, and you know he'll be there next season. But they may need to add some more pieces. Because Alperin Shingun playing great offensively but getting killed in the paint right now defensively. Uh, but a fun matchup for the Suns. They are not a team that necessarily is going to kill you inside. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. The Rockets have a good three-point defense. So, you know, if you get Gordon out and Nurkic is out and Bradley Beal is out, this is a definite possible win for the Rockets. Get another one on there and see if they can keep their hopes alive to maybe sneak in to that 10 spot and get into the play-in. 
Uh, the Spurs are also in action tonight against the Thunder. This is the end of the rodeo road trip. They are back in San Antonio. Hopefully that gives them a little spark. They were definitely, you could tell, uh, a little out of sorts the last few games. They've been on a five-game losing streak. They've had a few losing streaks this season. Uh, but it is definitely, we've seen that they're starting to get, they were starting to get things figured out, and then it just looked like the All-Star weekend, the break, and then you go back out on the road that they were starting to get a little disoriented and, and, and you know, upset and, and maybe not as focused on the future as they needed to be. Hopefully they'll be able to correct that. We'll see it tonight. This is a really, really good Thunder team. Uh, but anytime you get to see Wimby versus Chet, it's a good time. So that'll be a fun one to watch tonight too. Wimby versus Chet, another matchup of those two big, long men. And we'll see if we get any more crazy Wimby highlights that we keep getting. All right. Why don't we get to the big fat poll of the day? Then we can get to the text line. We can get to... Uh, Moving right along here on the Sports Complex, let's hit that sounder. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Big Fat Poll of the Day today. Text line's open, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776. What is your favorite promotional day in sports history? I'll tell you why that. I'm asking that It's because the Phillies have now said no more dollar hot dog nights. Uh, they had issues. That dollar hot dog nights kept getting rowdier and rowdier. Uh, and then at some point, uh, people started to throw hot dogs, and then it's picked up. And then last season, hot dogs were everywhere, and people were throwing them in the crowd. People were throwing them at the field, and it just got out of hand. They didn't like the, how crowded the concessions were, and people were not watching the game. They're going to get people were trying to eat as many hot dogs as they could on dollar hot dog nights. So they have killed that promotion in Philly. Uh, Philly fans not happy about it, but they, you know, they're Philly fans. They're not thrilled about a lot of things. Uh, but I want to ask you, what is your favorite promotional sports day? What is the one that you remember? And there's some historical ones you can mention, but there may be some in yours that you got like a bobblehead that you thought was awesome. I know that they did the outcast bobbleheads at the Braves games last year. I thought that was awesome. If you have any of that, and I'll give you extra credit. If you have a promotional day that you want to pitch and you want to pitch it for, you know, a Texas team, or, or if you want to pitch it to CDC, if it's PC enough, if you can say something that I can say on the radio, I will give your pitch to CDC here on the airwaves. I'll give you that. Uh, so I, if you've got a pitch for a, a promotional day, promotional item, promotional giveaway, or promotional like that dollar hot dog day uh, for Philly, uh, let me know on the text on 512-447-3776. I thought it was hilarious. You, I saw some Philly fans complaining about it, and now it has come out as news that uh, they've canceled it, and, and they had to answer questions about it where they were like, look, they were throwing them on the field. What do you want us to do? We can't do this. We can't trust our fans with things. So we can't give them things that are a dollar because they're literally just going to spend $5 to throw five things. They, they have the, the disposable income of $5 to throw five hot dogs on the field. Let us know what you think on the text line. And if you have a promotional item that you in your history that you thought was really great, if you have one that you'd love to see, let me know on the text line, 512-447-3776. Take a break. We'll come back. We'll get to the text line. We'll also get to a little uh, Rod's rant here uh, on a replay here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons only on the Horn.
back on the sports complex here on the horn. Gotta let that Michael McDonald get in the little Michael McDonald cameo. Little, little featuring Michael McDonald in there. Had to let that one get in before I came back. I uh, hope everybody's having a good Thursday afternoon. Deck signs open 512-447-3776. Uh, if you want to join in uh, because Phillies have canceled hot dollar hot dog night. What is your favorite promotional day? One that you've personally been to, one that you've seen happen, or one that you would like to see happen. If you got one to pitch to CDC, I'll pitch it here on the airwaves for you. We'll pitch CDC. I, I'll tell you, I think he should have done a flotation station figurine or bobblehead for Dylan DeSue after last year in the run and, and how much Dylan DeSue meant. I would have loved to get a flotation station bobblehead from Dylan DeSue doing that little little shot there that he used to do. And when they called it, they named it the flotation station. Thought that would have been a nice one, but we, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe it'll still happen. Maybe it'll still happen. You know, he'll come back uh, once he's in the NBA. He'll come back. We'll see what happens with that. But I'm still pitching that one. I still want to see that one. Uh, so let me know what you guys think. 512 447 3776. Let's go back and do a little replay. Rod's rant replay today. Uh, he was talking about that NFL Players Association poll. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Uh, he had some good points talking about it. And, uh, you know, we see the Cowboys where they're at, the Texans where they're at, and man, Chiefs coming off, Chiefs ownership not coming off looking very good in that poll. It's a little replay here for you from uh, Rob Babers here on the Sports Complex. All right, I want to go over some of the uh, the grades actually from the uh, the player survey about the teams and some of the uh, the really interesting nuggets and tidbits from it. Uh, for those who don't know, the NFL does a player survey um, and asks them anonymously about their teams and about the facilities and the the, 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 the nutritionist, the dietitian, the coach. They ask them about everything, and every team gets grades. Um, and basically it's kind of the Yelp reviews <laughs> of the NFL with each individual uh, team. And there are some really interesting nuggets. So the Jaguars, you got to give the Jaguars a lot of credit because they had the biggest, um, I would say they had the biggest improvement from, I think they were ranked uh, 28th in the overall survey um, like a year ago. Um, that they they ranked 28th overall, so a disaster of a franchise from the players' perspective and their opinion, and they were fifth uh, in this year's poll. That's a hell of a difference, and their ownership, I believe, got an A as well, uh, almost a 10 out of 10. So the the the, the players uh, were really really complimentary of the Jaguars' ownership and the upgrades that they had made. The Bucks the Bucks got an issue. The Bucks ranked 24th. And apparently one of the issues the Bucks had were shower bugs. Players described the locker room as unclean and smelly <laughs> and said they regularly saw bugs in the showers. The team sauna is apparently broken. Um, and the Bucks are also, they are not a perk. They're not a fan of like perks for travel or families or anything like that. Uh, younger players on the team must have roommates on away trips unless they're willing to pay over seventeen fifty for their own room each season. Uh, Tampa also does not offer they, – uh, they do offer daycare on game days, but they charge $90 per child, which, honestly, daycare is just expensive no matter where you – I don't give a damn where you are. That, that's, that's cheap considering what daycare costs. Daycare is always expensive. Uh, the Jaguars – uh, weren't the only team that made uh, big improvements. The Cardinals apparently were heavily criticized last year because it was revealed that they were charging their players for meals, uh, which they no longer do. Players say the food is still bad, but at least now it's free. 
They're not paying for bad food. They just get it for free. Uh, they upgraded their weight room and added a room for families on game days, which is important. Um, so, and now they said uh, now they offer three meals uh, on Wednesdays <laughs> when apparently they weren't offering three meals. When I was with Detroit Lions, they, you can eat three meals there. You can go there for breakfast. You can go. You can stay there for lunch, and then you can eat. You can eat dinner there if you wanted to. They would give you dinner to go. Um, with the Detroit Lions when I was there. So they, I mean, every, every, obviously we're learning here, every uh, organization is a little bit different. Um, Nick Corte, who does a really good job breaking down the kind of salary cap stuff in the league, he actually graded, he gave a GPA grade, a GPA uh, correlation to the scores that the owners were given and the ownership grades. And he used the GPA scale and he basically divided the ownership up into two groups, groups of owners who had purchased their teams and groups of owners who inherited their teams. And he found out that the owners who purchased their team got a better overall grade. They averaged a 3.18 overall uh, grade, like I said, GPA system, so they got a B, where teams that were inherited, um, they got a 2.2, so they got a C grade. So if you go look at, uh, as Corte found, if you look at eight of the nine highest-graded owners, plus the Packers, uh, all right, so the Packers, remember, they're, they're a special situation. They're owned by the people. All bought their teams themselves, and the four worst-graded owners all inherited their team. So eh, maybe there's a trend going on there too. Uh, the Broncos, apparently it was revealed they got a car theft problem. Uh, players feel like, uh, it said here, uh, players feel like they lack an individualized workout program from their strength coach, and they want that. They also reported that it, there were multiple cars stolen from the parking lot <laughs> of the mandated team hotel during training camp, which is, that's a problem. That's not good. That's your head of security, whoever that may be. Uh, the Raiders really hate Josh McDaniels. Uh, they do. There was... Uh, most of the all but three head coaches got at least a B minus in their scores. So players love their coaches, right? They're supposed to. Um, there was just one, one D. Now 19 of them got an A minus. So 19 coaches got an A minus. Um, all but three head coaches got a B minus. Josh McDaniels, D. Ooh. Yeah, they don't like Josh McDaniels. Um, apparently now the NFL Player Association are giving out F minuses which means that you really suck. <laughs> the F minus, you're already getting an F, but an F minus, didn't even know that existed. Oh, yes, it exists. So apparently um, here are the, all the F minus grades that were handed out. Uh, the Bengals, Steelers, Patriots, and Commanders all got F minus grades for their treatment of families. Um, the Bengals, they got F minus for their cafeteria food and their food overall. Damn, the Bengals got a lot of F-minuses here. The Bengals also got an F-minus for nutrition and their dietitian. The Commanders got an F-minus for their locker room because their locker room was disgusting, apparently. Uh, the Commanders got an F-minus for their training room, kind of important. Uh, the Falcons got an F-minus for their strength coaches, so they need to do a kind of a man-in-the-mirror moment there. The Chiefs, only F-minus for ownership. Isn't that crazy? Yes. That is wild for the most successful football team in the NFL currently that's on a dynastic run um, that they would have the ownership voted to have an F. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, uh, they just are, they are the elite class of this player survey because they got all A's, all A's for everything. Treatment of families, A-minus. 
That's third best in the NFL. Food and cafeteria, A, that's first. Nutritionist and dietitian, A, that's second. Locker room, A, third. Training room, A, that's first. Training staff, A minus, first. Weight room, A plus, first. Strength coaches, A, that's second. Team travel, A, that's first. Head coach, A, he was eighth. And the ownership got an A plus. So all glowing remarks, and they were top three in every category. So if you're looking at who the elite uh, organization is from a player perspective, it's the Miami Dolphins. You see if that can translate to the, to the field. But overall, the top five teams in the survey were Miami, Minnesota, Green Bay, Philadelphia, and Jacksonville. And the bottom five were Pittsburgh, this is overall, Pittsburgh, New England, the Chargers, Kansas City, and Washington. Think about that. The two teams that have had dynastic runs in the last 12 to 15 years, New England and Kansas City, they are at the bottom of the list when it comes to the players' surveys and player opinions about the the organization. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have been the most consistent franchise and arguably the most buttoned up, right, Um, in terms of, you know, coaching hires and turnovers, they are, I mean, they deal with Mike Tomlin. They haven't had a losing record, and yet they are in the bottom five of this player poll survey, along with the Chargers, where they're going to bring in Jim Harbaugh, and Washington. That's no shock at all. So that's, in, that's, that's impressive. I mean, guys, the Kansas City Chiefs, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, it really is amazing now that we're learning how, how cheap <laughs> the ownership is. And, guys, if you look at their player survey, they got a D-plus in the treatment of their families, 18th. <laughs> For the food in the cafeteria, it's a C-minus, 26th. Ouch. Nutritionist and dietitian, F, 31st. Locker room, F, that's 28th. Training room was a D, that's 31st. The training staff got an F, that's 32nd. They were the, the worst training staff, graded as the worst training staff by the players in all of the league. The weight room, 23rd. They got a C plus. Strength coaches, C plus, 27th. Team travel, a D, 27th. The head coach, A plus. They got him first. <laughs> so the, the the head coach, Andy Reid, A plus. You're damn right about that. Ownership, F minus, 32nd. They were basically graded out as one of the worst franchises in every category, except for a head coach. We know quarterback is the best. Defensive coordinator is the best. And damn near GM is probably the best, too. So those are the four things you got to get right. Everything else in your franchise and organization can suck. And that's basically what's going on with Kansas City. And remember I told you earlier that Clark Hunt is looking for more money. Apparently there was a, I don't know, there was a threat from the president of Chiefs uh, at a news conference yesterday that threatened to leave the city after their lease expires, if the county doesn't vote to pay a higher tax rate to raise hundreds of millions of dollars so the Hunt family can get a new stadium, essentially. They're asking basically for a billion dollars in county money on (laughs) the same day. He was voted the worst owner in football or maybe the shrewdest, whatever. That franchise value overall has gone from $2.5 billion in 2020 to $4.3 billion in 2023. The Hunt family paid $25,000 for it in 1960. (laughs) <laughs> you're talking about generational wealth. That's what you're talking about. So Kansas City got the quarterback right, and it seems like 
they don't have to really spend money on anything else because they don't even spend money on the roster. Remember, they didn't pay Tyreek Hill. They're deciding whether they want to pay Chris Jones. Just upped Andy Reid. They just upped uh, Steve Spagnola. They got the most team-friendly deal, arguably, for a quarterback in the league and the biggest discount in the NFL in Travis Kelsey being paid like a tight end when he has number one wide receiver numbers. Guys, five teams in the NFL since 2019 have spent less cash than the Kansas City Chiefs. Only five. They are notoriously a cheap franchise ran by a cheap billionaire, but they got quarterback right, they got head coach right, they got GM right, and they got DC right. Nothing else seems to matter for Kansas City. Uh, so anyway, that, there you go. That is shocking, but they are one of the worst graded franchises by this player survey in the league. Um, and the Chargers, you talked about it, they got an F uh, in terms of their family treatment. Uh, ranked 27th overall. Um, it says here the Chargers have a family room at the stadium but only provide daycare off-site, um, which players said was inconvenient for them. They are also one of the few teams that charge for child care services, asking players to pay $75 for the first child, $50 for each additional child per family. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I get it. Child care is expensive, period. We, everybody knows that. Um, but NFL teams, a $17 billion annual business, yeah, I'm going to say they probably should provide complimentary child care. But do you want free child care? It's one of those things like, do you, you know, some things you want to pay for. You don't want cheap surgery. Hey, so I, I'd rather pay for my child care. That's good. They can pay for it because that would mean, uh, uh, hopefully, that the child care is better overall, that it's a, you know, a, a, a better, more credible child care if you're paying for it. So they don't pay for it. That's fine. Um, but most of the NFL teams do not, ch- do not charge for child care. So there you go. That's the NFL, some of the nuggets from the NFL player survey. Uh, I mean, some of the most successful franchises, though, are graded by the players as the most, you know, as, as the most dysfunctional or the worst <laughs> or the cheapest franchises. So maybe that doesn't necessarily always correlate to success on the field. No question about it. No question about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a $17 billion organization. Uh, you know, and people, they make a lot of money. Yeah. A lot the, of money. The players, I, I, I'm glad the, the NFLPA is doing this. It's only the second year they've done it. They started last year, this year. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's kind of holding organizations accountable, and you kind of get to see, okay, how's my organization doing with these uh, big-picture things and yep. taking care of people? Exactly. And, you, you know, you know like, like an organization like the Miami Dolphins who got you know, resounding one almost every category. Mm-hmm. That's good for them in the free agent market, right? I mean, that's it like, is good. I mean, that, that's I mean true. that speaks to players. That's a good point. Yeah, it's it like, is. If I got choices to go play, I mean, money's one thing in the contract, but man, that's a great organization. They take care of their people. Players talk to one another, man. Yeah, they do. They do. That's a good thing. Good stuff there on uh, Rod's rant, talking about uh, some uh, some of that NFL Players Association. There's some interesting stuff in there. We talked about it yesterday. It's a, I, I find it interesting. The Chiefs one is very interesting. It was interesting to see the Jaguars bump up a lot that apparently Shahid Khan, who owns them, didn't know how bad it was. And I guess, you know, they said some of these guys, they, they saw the Players Association poll. They were like, oh, well, we just didn't know and we can fix those things. And whoever was supposed to be in charge of that didn't get their job done. And, you know, the, the player – you know, uh, people being happy, they, they weren't necessarily doing their job. So it, it, I think it's a positive thing for the league. Definitely positive for the players. But I think it's definitely positive for the league as well. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to the text line, 512-447-3776. 
Uh, we're asking you because Phillies have killed dollar hot dog nights. They can't do it anymore because too many hot dogs being thrown in the crowd, being thrown in the field. They also said there was other issues, but they're not doing that. What was your favorite promotional day? Uh, whether it was somebody they were at, something you heard about, uh, a, a bobblehead or a giveaway or you know a night that somebody did that. And if you have a promotional idea to pitch the CDC, one that I can say on the radio, I will pitch it to CDC. We want to get your views out there. Keep texting in 512-447-3776. Come right back. Get to the text on here on the Sports Complex in the Horn, 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Sports Complex here on a Thursday afternoon, noon. We're still on D linemen and the combine. Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat already have done their drills, have done their 40, their measurables. They've already gone through that. Jalen Ford still coming a little bit later tonight. We'll get into that more in the five o'clock. Uh, we've already talked some basketball. We're going to get into some more football in the five o'clock, and the text line is open. What is your favorite promotional day? Something that you've been to? Something you'd like to see happen? Send that text in right now. Let's get over to that text line. I have a feeling I know what some of these are going to be about. <laughs> we'll get into it. Uh, we get Patrick, is your show going away since uh, you're going to mornings with Robbie since Aaron is leaving? Uh, from Chris Wodert. I appreciate you texting in. Uh, and we'll, we, I know we have a lot of these. I'll try and read off what I can. Uh, I'll get. I'll explain everything again when we get into 5 o'clock. But yes, the sports complex is going away. Uh, last show will be tomorrow. Uh, Texter says, uh, looking forward to the new show, buddy. Make sure Nate says, and make sure you proofread my morning text. Also appreciate that. Nate, uh, Jimmy, the great guy says another beautiful Thursday in the book. Sad to hear you can leave it, but see tons of positive having you and Rod together in the morning. I hope you continue the text line to a certain degree on the morning show. My question for you today, uh, who do you believe the starting QB will be for the bears, Steelers, commandos, Broncos, and Raiders? Well, that is a lot of them. Uh, it's Caleb Williams for all of them. Is that the easy answer? Or is it Justin Fields for all of them? We can go with, uh, I, I think we'll know a lot more. I can tell you this. I think we'll know a lot more in two weeks, in a week and a half, two weeks. I think next week is when we'll start to see trades and when we'll start to see kind of more movement of where guys are going to go. Russell Wilson is going to be kind of a wild card because he's going to be, you know, like kind of how Jimmy Garoppolo is, is maybe a, uh, you know, a later ad. Uh, but I think we'll know a little bit better when we see if there's a big trade uh, I think the Bears will set the – until the Bears do what they're going to do, uh, which we figure is going to be Caleb Williams. Uh, but I, I still – I think if they get a deal from the commanders, if they're able to convince the commanders that Caleb Williams is the guy, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they went down and got a Drake May or got somebody who wanted to be there a little bit more than Caleb Williams seems to want to be there. Uh, but I think that's the first puzzle piece that has to land. Uh, as far as the Steelers, I, I, I mean, Kenny Pickett's probably the easy answer there. 
Uh, you know, they, they may go out and sign somebody else, but I don't know. Maybe Gardner Minshew they bring in or somebody like that. Uh, but I don't know if they're going to make a big splash. Uh, and it feels like they'd have to to get somebody who would be starting over Pickett or Mason Rudolph next season. Uh, Commanders is going to be whoever the Bears don't pick unless they trade up and get Caleb Williams. Uh, Broncos are another team that's going to be interesting, but they're going to be uh, in the market. I'm sure they're going to look at Kirk Cousins, but they can't really afford to spend that much. Uh, my guess is the Broncos will try and bring in, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew's another name like that that could go there, or they could bring in somebody, uh, you know, they're going to try and draft somebody a little bit later on and see if they get a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix Jr. and see maybe this guy can go out and start for us his uh, rookie season because he's a little bit older guy and has a, little bit, a few more years under him, and he can be a stopgap until we get to who our next, you know, big quarterback is. But I, I maybe that for them and, and the Raiders – I think Raiders do everything they can to trade up, uh, but if they don't, and I mean, this is really, I think them and the Falcons are going to be the ones going in for Justin Fields or going in for calling the Raiders or calling the Bears, I would say, is those two teams. That's uh, that's off the top of my head is what I can go with. Uh, text, text, now I get to text you in the mornings too and don't have to wait all day to piss you off. <laughs> Appreciate that, Dave Ram. Appreciate that. You get my blood pressure up. The good news is, I you know, I'll walk away. At 10 a.m. in the morning, I'll walk away, and I'll be sipping on a drink, just enjoying now. Pretend I won't be sipping. I'll, I'll have other work to do here. Uh, <laughs> I will not, uh, as much fun as it seems to be, that I'd be off work at 10. I will not be off work at 10. Uh, so I'll keep working. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll keep going to these text messages. Uh, we'll reiterate the message we said at the beginning. We'll get into more NFL talk and a lot more on the text line. Love it when you guys are a part of the show. Keep those texts coming in, 512-447-3776, here on the text line uh, on the Sports Complex, on the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.